There it is. Good to see you guys. Hi. Hi, Michelle. Michelle's saying hi. She makes make sure. She's saying hi to everybody, too. Uh, thanks for those who are uh, here online. Thanks for those who are here in person. Thanks for those who are probably out off-roading and seeking sun somewhere on this, the first day of May. I, I understand. I understand. It's tempting to be out, so it's, it's great. Um, so glad that we are here today, and um, boy, why don't we just stand up? Let me just stand up for a second. Let's just, let's just do this. I feel like that's what we need to do. That's what I felt like I needed to do today. Yeah. Okay. There, now I made you do something embarrassing. You can sit down again. Okay, yeah. Whew. It's got to shake, shake it off sometimes. That's what my friend Taylor tells me. Um, that's a terrible joke. Yeah, everyone who's 35 knows the joke. Uh, Taylor Swift. Thanks for making it out uh, to our Everyday Discipleship series we've been going through. Uh, we've been taking uh, two weeks to focus on what I think is like the most important um, discipline of prayer, uh, a discipline that anyone who wants to be a disciple um, can do, right? Because disciples have disciplines, right? It's right there in the Word. It's, it's implied we, we do certain things as disciples, and this one is indispensable, and it's prayer. Uh, last week, we focused in on prayer. We, we kind of thought, thought, it was a lot of thinking about, what is prayer like? like? Like, what does it look like to have a prayer life? And how do we understand, and how do we figure out how to like, connect my regular life with, with my prayer life? Um, and last week, I said, some disciplines um, are, are truly optional. And I really mean that. Like, we're going to talk about other disciplines after we get through prayer here. Um, and some of them are truly optional. Um, I'm not going to try to present to you the only way to be a disciple. I am going to insist that disciples have disciplines. They have practical ways in which they are living out their faith and, and growing in their relationship with Jesus. Like, if you, if you have no practical expression of your discipleship, you're not a disciple, okay? I just, just got to be honest with you. Like, it just doesn't work that way. We don't all need to do all the same disciplines, What we do have to practice some disciplines, we have to have a spiritual life. And because those, those disciplines are the means, they're the ways that God is working in us to bring us into full maturity, to bring about Christ-like character within us, because that is part of the goal of being a disciple. A disciple is somebody who's trying to come like their, their teacher, their master, to become like Jesus. And the, the, the disciplines are the means by which we grow into spiritual uh, 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 maturity, uh, the spirit working in us, right? All God's work in us, but we are participating along with God, saying yes to God and, and putting uh, this, uh, things that he's taught into practice. We're making much of the grace that Jesus pours out because he, he's present with us and he's empowering us and he's calling us to live lives of, of connection that are full of his spirit. But we have to do certain things like simple things, not, I'm not climbing mountains or doing things that you're not able to do, simple things of, of kind of tuning our lives and, and letting the Lord do a work in us. And those are just disciplines. Dallas Willard defines disciplines this way. Yes, you've seen the slide before, and yes, you're going to see it again. Disciplines are activities within our power that enable us to accomplish what we cannot do by direct effort. Simple things. You cannot just grow spiritually on your own. You don't have the capacity on your own, but the Lord leads you and empowers you to grow by the Spirit according to the Word, and as we 
are disciples as we're practicing disciplines. Disciplines are something you can do to accomplish what you cannot do. Things that make it happen. I cannot become Christ-like simply by saying, you know what, I'm going to be Christ-like today. It's not a matter of decision. But one of the main ways that I can develop a Christ-like character is through the practice of spiritual disciplines. Discipleship is the work of character formation in that respect. I cannot develop a spiritual life just by wanting to have a spiritual life. But I can develop a spiritual life through the practice of spiritual disciplines, things that Jesus taught his disciples. You know, he says, taught them how to pray, taught them to fast, taught them to worship, taught them to forgive. I cannot grow uh, in my love for God and in a, a greater awareness of his presence simply by deciding to do that, but I can do that by practicing spiritual disciplines, by developing a capacity to do these things, to see, see the Lord in my everyday life. I can't grow into maturity, maturity simply by choice, but I can do it by practicing spiritual disciplines and harvesting the fruit of the kind of life that's marked by a person who is a disciple, who's practicing and expressing their discipleship to Jesus in, in practical ways. That is going to lead to a kind of life that's fruitful, spiritually fruitful and mature. But each of us likely has different deficiencies of character. My deficiencies of character, and I have them, are different than your deficiencies of character, and you have them, right? They're different, though, so we need to grow in different areas. Some, some different areas, not in others. Some um, disciplines are not going to be helpful to you in the season of life uh, that you're at. Maybe they'll be helpful later in your life when the Lord's doing different things. Some are important, uh, but the, not everything is important all the time. But prayer is always important. Prayer is always indispensable. Every single one of us needs to pray. Everyone needs to have a robust, thought out, thought out, and most of us just don't think about it. What we're going to do this morning is just think about it a little bit, and then a practiced prayer life. And that's what it is. It's a prayer life. Your life can be full of prayer. The life you have, the normal life that you're living, where you're waking up and going about your business, can be the same life, but full of prayer, full of the presence of God in the middle of it. If you didn't get to hear last week's message, that was the big point. We're trying to figure out how do we end this kind of way of thinking about our prayer life and our regular life and end and, and, and the separation between the two, and how do we integrate them and understand that they're actually the same life. The one life you live is supposed to be a life full of prayer. Not two separate things to manage. That's the time management idea gets in the way because we think, well, prayer is just about time and I just have to carve out time and it's like a violent taking away from my other life. That's not the way it is. They're not in this adversarial sort of relationship. Stop thinking that way because it's like your main, the main thing that's getting in the way of you developing a prayer life. The discipline of prayer is not about carving out time. It's not about... Um, like being vigorous in our discipline, your prayer life is not in competition with your regular life. Having a prayer life is integrating and understanding the way your life works and figuring out, okay, how do I uh, experience God's presence? How do I, I pray in, in my everyday life? Uh, Bob, one of our elders, during, during, during the sermon last week, he sent me a quote that I thought was really good, um, and I think it really represents this well. It's from a guy named Smith Wigglesworth, Great name. He wins the name game. 
Um, he says this, I don't often spend more than a half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. To me, that's the win, right? It's not that you like, like the most, the person with the best spiritual life is not the person who prays four hours in the day. But I think the person with the best prayer life is the one who prays 40 times in the day or 20, uh, 48 times, right? Yeah, 48. Thanks. I can math. No, and I'm not actually, it can't be like, it has to be less than that because you don't need to wake up in the middle of the night to pray. You won't, you will never get to sleep. It takes me half an hour to sleep. So that would be, that wouldn't be bad. Right, but the person, the, the person who is um, growing in prayer is the person who um, is, is not just like carving out and, and, and having these deep times that is disconnected from the rest of their life. The person who's growing a prayer life is the person who, like when they're at the grocery store or doing normal things, is just finding time, finding time to simultaneously be living their regular life but also be living a life with God. That's the win. That's what winning is in, in prayer life. At least I think it is. Developing a prayer life is not about taking back time from your non-spiritual life. You don't need to take it back. Pitting your everyday life against your heavenly spiritual life. It is about enjoying a healthy rhythm of connection with God throughout your everyday life. Because the amazing thing about the Christian faith is that we believe this really Crazy idea compared to every other faith in the world that the, the physical world, your everyday life, and the spiritual world are compatible. Like if Jesus, God himself, came and took on flesh, and that wasn't a problem. He made it work. Because God has a plan. He's coming into the world, and he's working with people just like you. He's taken away sin. That's an incompatibility, but he deals with that on the cross. And then he's filling us up with his presence and sending us out with purpose, mission, into the world to be people who are full of him. It's crazy that I could be full of God, like me and God, like that doesn't seem compatible. But what we believe is that because of what Jesus has done, he's made us compatible with his presence. People who can Go out, bearing his image well, it's crazy. Not being overwhelmed by the Spirit to the point where you cease to exist, but where you, the you that you are right now, is so transformed and filled with the Spirit that you're still yourself, but you're also full of God. That you enjoy his presence and enjoy a praying life. It's just a crazy thing, but I really think we have to remember how awesome it is and what we really believe. Okay, so... We're going to jump in um, and just ask this one question, because it's easy for me to say that your prayer life and your regular life are not in an adversarial relationship. It's easy to say that. The problem is, it sure does feel like it is, right? It sure does feel like it is. Like, I, when I think about prayer, I'm just like, if I weren't so busy, then I would pray. And honestly, Part of my like, testimony is that God brought me to a place of really non-busyness by after college moving me to a foreign country where I didn't have anything to do, and there he taught me to pray. Because, and so on, so I'm like, well, what am I talking about? But, but God, but God had, had taught me in that time um, that I was too busy, right? Not that I was, or sorry, not that really I was too busy, but that my mind was too connected, too, or too obsessed with all the stuff that I was concerned about. I didn't have, was able to have time with him. And through that, through that period of time, 
I, uh, I, I had the busyness taken away, and what God taught me is, is that I could actually like, live a regular life and still be present with him. Busyness feels like the greatest obstacle to prayer. It really does. So I just want to acknowledge that, but it's not. So, uh, so let's just do something together. I, I printed out, you probably find on your seats, a little, little test. No, it's not a test. Um, it's a helpful tool for you to think about your prayer life, okay? Um, and I forgot to put out pens. I apologize for that part. You don't have to do it right now. I know writing on paper in the middle of, of so you might not want to do it right now. But I, I want to walk through this, and you can maybe think through it a little bit. We're going to ask ourselves a few questions and do basically an audit, an audit of um, your prayer life, right? How it is, what you understand to be the best way for you to pray, and, and where, where the busyness gets in the way, and then, and then ask ourselves, okay, what are the things that we can do in order to improve that, okay? So it's really practical. I promised you it was going to be practical, so here we are. Um, the first section is this, is we're just asking this one question. How do I best listen to and speak to God? And this is a question for you. It's not, it's not a question for me. I can't answer this for you. Everybody's going to be different in this, really honestly. And by how, I mean really in three ways. When, at what time of the day, do you feel like you are able to just hear God and, and speak to God, right? And, and that's an important question. Um, when, at what time of the day is that, is that best, is that easiest for you? Another important question is where, as in like what are your surroundings at the time? I had this idea growing up that prayer happened in a prayer closet. I don't know why. I don't know what a prayer closet is, but I didn't have one, and I just couldn't pray. So, right? I had this big problem. So I tried to just, like, lock myself in a room and pray, and I found that that was terrible for me, and I never prayed. Um, as I've, as I've kind of grown, uh, I've started to realize that, actually, for me, the, the best place for me to pray is outside, because um, it, it, outside and then the wow thing is, is while walking. Because I am, um, a, you might notice, I'm a little high energy. Uh, like I've got a lot of arm movements going on and I, I have a lot of things happening in my mind. And so to have something, to, to, to be outside of a, a, an environment where there's like no stimulation, but to see things and, and to walk and to move is really helpful for me to just free my mind to, to be present with God. I know that sounds um, like, like, I feel like sometimes we, like, we, we think that this is like cheating. Like asking these questions is like cheating. Like the best way is to just go by myself and just pray. And I just got to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm really encouraging you to take the easy way. Take the easy way and really ask yourself some questions about when, where, and wow. Like what are the best times? What are you going to be doing while you're, you're praying? Maybe the best thing isn't for you to just have nothing going on. But maybe you need to be doing something simultaneously while you're praying. So some people like, um, like the cross stitch, like do something with their hands, right? That could be helpful. Again, like I walk, I need to move my body when I'm praying in order to just have some place for my energy to go so that I can be present with the Lord. Um, Peter Andonian, uh, we were talking after, after church um, last week, and he starts his days, he pours himself a cup of coffee, and he just prays till the coffee's gone. I like that, 
right? Because he's going to have his coffee anyway, right? He's going to have some time. So it's just like a built-in carved out time where you're just, you're just doing something. And it's not just like, I am going to sit and force myself to pray because most of us aren't there. Maybe you'll get there one day, but most of us aren't there. But it, it's figuring out a when, where, and while, like what, in what ways, when, where, and while uh, are, are the best ways that I can listen to and speak to God, okay? Now, here's the thing. Some of you guys have really good answers. Like, you've spent enough time in prayer and you've grown enough where you can actually say, yeah, I've seen this work and this not work, right? And then some of you are just like, I have no idea. I have no idea when is best for me to pray. I have no idea where it's best for me to pray. I have no idea what I should be doing while I'm praying. No clue whatsoever. And that's okay. That's wonderful. If you're starting there, that's great. All of these are just simple ways of asking the question, how do I listen to and speak to God? And if you don't have a great answer for that, you don't have maybe a lot of experience, that's okay. Because um, the second question is going to help you figure that out. Okay, so the second question, um, it just, we were just asking this question. We're asking, um, what are the rhythms of your life like right now? And I, I kind of want to assess that on three levels, okay? So I, I have those questions at the bottom. I have them in different colors, and I'm actually going to walk you through my answer to this. And uh, we, I kind of charted out a, a timeline, right, from 6 a.m. to midnight. And if you're staying up that late, God bless you. Mine will end abruptly around 9.30. Um, okay, so here's what... Um, I'm just going to show you mine, and then, then we can talk through it, okay? So when am I most busy, and when am I most flexible or, or least busy? Um, so I have another slide up here. All right, so that's my, that's my map. So, like, the lower parts are least busy, and the upper parts are most busy, because I wake up. Um, I, I wake up between 6 and 7.30, depending on the day, depending on what I have to do. Oh, and by the way, I'm thinking about my work day right? Your, your weekends, like, don't, don't try to think, make it the same, because your weekends are just not the same as your work day, okay? So I'm thinking of my work day, like, when am I going to wake up? And, and usually, um, I'm waking up, and I'm not too busy right away. I have my routine, but for me, I work best at, like, 7 a, from 7 a.m. to 11 o'clock. So I, and I, and I am free to make my own schedule, which probably most of you aren't, right? So I'm going to show you mine, and mine is easier. Yours is probably going to be more complicated. But right when I wake up, I, I do my, my thing. I take a bath. It's embarrassing, but true. Uh, I'm not embarrassed by it. My wife's embarrassed by it. She's going to be, like, so mad that I told you that. Yeah. It's okay. Hey, got my, got my routine. I, you know, I brush my teeth. I kind of comb my hair. I'm not sure if this counts. Um, and then I just go. Like, I am immediately out the door, and then I am like, I have to be working right away. Like, I will just uh, abandon my home and go to a coffee shop and I will just start working because I can really like hit the ground really running really quick and um, for the kind of work I do, you know, sermon writing and stuff like that, like I have to, I have to work when I'm good at it because otherwise it's bad, <laughs> right? And I don't want to do that to you. So, um, so I'm, I'm very busy usually pretty early in the morning, so I go along and then around lunchtime things, most people don't want to see me at lunch because they want to be eating and that's fine by me. Uh, come back after work, get a little bit busy again. But then, you know, 2, 30, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, everybody's going on and everybody's enjoying the outdoors and nobody wants to see me again. So my busyness tapers off, right? And then I get home and I've got four kids and there's things to do. So I get busy again, uh, you know, around dinner time. 
uh, helping out as much as I can. Sometimes I have a lot of you know, meetings and stuff in the evening, so I'm busy, and then I get less busy around 9 o'clock. That's my life, right? So now you're like, why do we care? Just wait. We're getting there. Okay. So all right. Then the qu next question is, um, when is focus required of me? Now, so for me, since I get to make my own schedule, I get to, take, I get to optimize my work schedule to my focus time, right? Right, so I get to um, I get to focus uh, on, on, on the things like according to my busyness, right? So, uh, focus is required to me early in the morning. That's when I peak. You know, like I, I I put the things that require the most focus of my day right in the beginning, right before from the hours of breakfast between breakfast and lunch, and then honestly, like uh, I don't need to focus very much. After that, I, I start to do like task-oriented things in the afternoon, you know, just stuff that's a little bit more mindless, like do some graphic design or like, I don't know, write some emails, stuff that isn't like really going to take tons of energy. And even the stuff at home, you know, like um, there's a lot going on in my home, you know, after dinner and there's no, no one's focusing on anything because there's a lot happening and you're just kind of rolling with the punches, right? And sometimes things are calm and sometimes they aren't. Um, so I have uh, less focus. And then there's the, the really important question of when do I have the most energy? Um, and then for me, like that's early in the morning. Again, huge energy. And then like after lunch, I am like a, 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 the worst, like, I don't do things that require a lot of focus because I don't have a lot of energy. It takes me a while to recuperate my energy into the evening. Um, okay, so why talk about all of this? Taking this in mind, then we need to ask ourselves a third question. Where can I make adjustments to my rhythm to incorporate prayer? Okay? Um, actually, let's go back to the other slide for a second. The sweet spots where you can really make adjustments. And by adjustments, I mean changing your schedule as it is and, and carving out, I said we weren't going to do that, but, but finding time where there can be block time for prayer. So 15, 20, 30 minutes if you're really, really going for it, right? Where can I find time to do that? I can find those times at best when, when, I, am, when I am crossing the middle, right? So at times when my energy is going from low to high, where also I also where I have these time to focus. Like when you do this yourself, you'll find the times when, when the things are crossing, when you're required to focus less, but your energy is also still there, right? When your busyness is coming down. And my point is by wanting to map this, like mapping both how I feel throughout the day, but also the demands that are have, being made of me, is that I can find creative places to pray. And that's what most of us aren't doing. Uh, traditionally, it's like, okay, you got to pray in the morning. And we say it's because, oh, because you got to give God your best and you got to start with God. And, and if that works for you, great. Um, I don't really think that's it. I think the reason we want to start in the morning is because we're not yet demanded of too much, but we're also finding that our energy is coming up, right? So you want to find those times and carve out times where you have energy, you don't have too many demands on you, so you're able to focus on the Lord. You're able to just give him some time, uh, time before all the demands of life are coming in, so the morning can be a great time. But just as good is around lunchtime. If that's a better time for you, then pray then. Carve out some time, make adjustments to your schedule, saying, okay, well, I'm going to actually, instead of going to lunch right away, I'm going to take 15 minutes at this, you know, 11.45 to 12, 15-ish period of time, and I'm going to give that to the Lord, and I'm going to pray. 
I'm really just encouraging you to imagine where there might be time that you don't think you have, but you actually have. And it's in these periods of transition. Okay? Think, for example, like, I'm not sure if any, does anyone actually commute anymore? At one point, you guys commuted, right? That was a time where you, um, you had really very little demands on you because driving is simple, right? You didn't really have to, to focus too much, but you probably still had some energy. Times like that are great times to just, just pray. And if you can pray while driving, then pray while driving. Or maybe like you don't have a cube meet anymore, right? But maybe you still have that kind of time in your calendar. So look at, do this in the morning uh, before, in the time when you used to be commuting, but now you're working from home. Take a 15-minute walk. Get out of your house. Get out of where you're at before you sit down at your desk and just spend some time with the Lord. You can make real adjustments simply in the right times. Don't try to do it at 10 a.m. Don't try to do it in times when you're most demanded of. That is going to be silly. That's going to fail every single time, okay? I'm just trying to be really uh, practical here. And so then the question becomes, what do I do when I pray? Like, what is prayer anyway? Um, there's a guy named Peter Grieg. Um, I've actually, these two of his books are back there. Um, they're called How to Pray and How to Listen to God, A Simple Guide for Normal People. They're both Simple Guide for Normal People. So you're, norm, you're, you're a normal people. Uh, so I would encourage you to check those books out if you want to look at them back there. Um, but he has this uh, great pattern of prayer, and he, he uses an acronym PRAY uh, right there. And he just, he just breaks it up this way. Pause, reflect, slash read, ask, and yield. If you're saying, okay, I, I find 15, 20, 30 minutes, what do I do with it? This is what you can do with it. First off, you just, you just pause, Right? Pausing, I, I think, is honestly the thing that we really need to do the most. Because you're finding that prayer times are, are in these transitional times. Um, and if you're going on the upswing, then you're starting to think about what's happening at 9 a.m. or when I need to sit down at my desk and all the projects. Instead of getting your head in that space, you need to pause. And you just need to be present with the Lord. You just need to say, okay, God, like I have found this good time to sit with you, to listen to you, to, to settle my soul before you and just be present with you. So you're just going to pause and you're going to give that time to God and you're going to deal with your anxiety because everybody has anxiety, some of us more than others. You're going to pause, you're going to reflect, and, and hopefully you're going to reflect on Scripture. Like, that's the read. Read on Scripture. If you've got some Scripture memorized that you've been thinking about, then, then think about that. Reflect on that, on that th- Scripture. But think about and read God's word, right? That's a good time to just listen to God, listen to his voice speaking to us in scripture, saying, okay, God, I know you're, you're giving me these things. You're telling me these things about who you are and what you're like, and I just want to listen to you. So take probably about half of the time that you have. So if, it's, um, if you've got 20 minutes, then take about 10 minutes. Just read and reflect. Listen to God's word. Fill yourself up. Let that stuff get in your head and in your mind and think on it and, and reflect on what God is doing. And then move on to the asking time. That's where we're just having this conversation with God. If, if, you, if you're not understanding what you're reading, then just say, God, like, tell me, what am I supposed to be getting from this? Because sometimes, and it's a little secret that Christians don't like to tell you about, sometimes we read this and we're just like, what? What is going on in this book? Or like, I'm not feeling this. 
So just come in and start to talk to God. Just ask him. You know, ask him for the things that you, you need. But like, I, I always find, find that idea of a prayer pretty hard, like just coming in and asking God for things. Like, I don't know what I want. I have no idea what I want. That's a very, I, I, I feel like more people feel that way uh, than will admit it. I don't know what I want in life. I don't know what's good for me. Like, I sometimes just need to come before God, and I just need to say, God, I, I'm like such a mess, and I don't know anything about what's good in my life. And so would you just even give me the right desires? Would you, would you show me the right things? You can ask God for whatever you need, and sometimes what you need is something you don't even know that you need. So you take that time, you, you reflect, you read, you ask God, and then yield. Yield is this, this uh, surrendering to God, you know, saying to God, look, God, I, I get it. You're in charge of everything. I'm just going to entrust you with everything that I have. All these worries, all these things that I've been talking to you about, all these things that I don't understand, I'm going to entrust that you're good and that you're faithful. So you can take those times and just do this simple thing, this, this praying thing, pause, reflect, ask, and yield in those times. But I think that um, that's more like traditionally what we think of as praying, sitting down, talking to God, making it happen. Um, so I, that's important. You should do that. I think what's also great, though, is this fourth question, which is just what existing uh, rhythms can stay the same? Uh, actually, no, how did I have it written? Where can my existing rhythms accommodate prayer? We don't think about this enough. You, you can live your regular life at work, doing whatever it is, you know? Griffin's building tree houses, right? Michael's HRing. I don't know what HR, you're HRing. I'm sure that's a thing, right? So you can do all these things day-to-day basis and just not change them in any way. Not, not try to make them prayerful times, but just seek the Lord's presence while you're doing them. Like that, that, this is the sweet spot, honestly. That's where, if we, if we do this, if we do question four well, accommodate well, then we'll find that the adjustments are easy. Because what we're, what we're experiencing is the fact that God is with us all the time. Brother Lawrence, um, like a pretty famous monk who, who talks about uh, just practicing the presence of God, he says this, there is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of continual conversation with God. You can just have that kind of life, that continual conversation with God, right? Don't mess with your high times. Don't mess with the times when you're super busy and a lot is demanded of you, but do simple things to accommodate prayer into those times. Things like just giving thanks to God. You can take two seconds every five minutes and just thank God for something. You might say, well, that's not prayer. Yes, it is. Yes, it absolutely is. Finding God's presence, seeking him out, not not, not moving your schedule around so that you can pray seriously, right? But just enjoying the blessings of God minute by minute, moment by moment. When you're stressed out, just saying, Lord, I need to just calm down. Would you be present with me right now? That's a prayer. That's a prayer. And you can make room in your life for that kind of prayer. We all can. Like when we're getting, we're getting angry or we're getting feel like uh, people are blaming us for things, we can just say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to worship you in my mind. I'm going to set you above all things. I'm going to say, Lord, all the stress that I'm feeling, like you felt so much worse and you can carry me and bless me and encourage me through it. That's a prayer. Those are, tra- those are easy things to do. There's things like um, breath prayer. So I'm just giving you different like examples. Like I don't particularly love breath prayer, but just kind of breathe in. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Breathe out. I'm just going to trust you. 
right? You can just do that in your mind a few times. Sometimes matching the, the physical action of something with, with prayer is good. Like you're always breathing, so you can always be praying. There's always something going through your mind. You can always turn your mind to the Lord. We really need in this stuff to be imaginative. Be imaginative in your prayer life. Ask the simple question like, how can I experience God in my, what, what is normally a very busy, harrying time of my life. But failure of imagination, I really believe this, a failure of imagination is always the first cause of the death of a prayer life. If you won't let your mind figure out new ways to be present with God, like if you're just stuck in like a, a paradigm that's unhelpful to you, like it's going to strangle your prayer life. But if you can just be imaginative and think about your own life, the life that you live, and especially in these high times, high demands, uh, high energy times, like where can I find the Lord in those times? Then you're going to um, really enjoy some time with God. You can worship him. Um, you can seek him at all times. Let's see. Okay, wow. Took a lot longer than I thought. I had no idea how long that section was going to take because it's very talky, right? Um, so I'm going to wrap up here for a second, okay? Here's the thing. I bet, like, when I'm talking about accommodating prayer into your regular life, I bet some people, like, are being driven crazy by that. Some of you guys are like, don't we love Jesus? Like, shouldn't we just, like, bowl our whole lives over? Shouldn't prayer cost us something? Just accommodate? Does God just need to be accommodated in my life? You know, you know, you know how you are sometimes. I can be that way, too. Uh, actually, no, I'm, I'm super not that way. <laughs> um, isn't, like, we have this, this way of thinking, like, isn't accommodating my prayer life to my regular life, isn't that, like, laziness? Like, isn't that just, like, compromise? Like, shouldn't prayer be more important? Shouldn't, like, prayer be the first thing that we just move our lives aside for? Shouldn't I grab my life by the spiritual ears and just, and just really just make everything go spiritual and seek the Lord in everything, right? Look, here's the thing. We have to understand. Jesus, God himself, came down to earth. He took on flesh. He didn't come near, near enough, and then ask us to make up the difference. Ask us to get serious and spiritual so that we could meet him there, right? He came down. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins so that you all could have forgiveness and fullness of life. In other words, the way the gospel works is that the spiritual life that you have, it does not depend on you, hardly at all. At least not in the way we tend to think. It doesn't depend on our seriousness. It doesn't depend on the ways in which we like, uh, think that the things that God expects of us. Um, I want to read from you Hebrews 10. This is, I, I love this, Hebrews 10, 19, a verse I love. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Christ, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. He's using some Old Testament temple imagery here. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, 
in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our body washed in pure water. Throughout the book of Hebrews, what the writer is doing is he's going to great lengths to explain to us that Jesus is the high priest, the one who has done all the work, all the spiritual things needed so that we could go through the the veil is the image, again, an Old Testament image, from outside of the presence of God into the presence of God. And Jesus died tearing the veil, making it so that we could have a new and living way, a way of being with God. And Jesus opened that up. My prayer life is not about getting to God. The gospel is this crazy message that we can be in Jesus Christ and be present with God at all times. He's forgiven us. He's washed us clean. We can have a relationship with God. And it is the, our, our part in it is this second part of Hebrews 10. Draw near a true heart, full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. Our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Our part is faith. Faith is simply recognizing the faithfulness of God, what he's done. The fact that Jesus has done all the work and that I now can be present with God, even in this moment right now, and we say, well, we're in church. It's a special place, right? No, but even at your desk, Jesus has torn the veil so that you can have a new and living way. He's taken away your sin. He's taken away separation. He's invited you into a relationship with him. So when you're dealing with the most incompetent people at your job and they're very frustrating to you and you're thinking, I can't be spiritual right now because I'm so angry, you can just say, but I can forgive because I've been forgiven and I can enjoy the presence of God right now, even among all of these people who drive me crazy, right? And I can love them and bless them, encourage them, and do what's needed beyond that. Discipline them if you're the boss, and either that's part of life too. Um, but you can do that right now. See, most of us are like feeling like, I think in our prayer lives, we feel like, again, like we're on the outside and prayer's bringing us in. That's not the way it works. You're in because of Jesus. You just have to, like, by faith and full assurance, walk in that new and living way. Um, in our small group, we've been going through this uh, video series by the same guy who wrote those books uh, called The Prayer Course. And this past uh, Tuesday, we met and watched, watched the video, and he, he said something that I thought was really encouraging. So as the worship team comes up, I'm just going to share this with you. Um, he said, when you pray... Ask less the question why, and ask more the question where. As in, not, not as much, and it's not, sometimes we have some whys and we need to ask those questions. Not as much asking the question, God, why, why is all this happening, and why aren't you, and why isn't this? But ask the question instead, where? God, where are you in the middle of all these things? That's what this, this kind of accommodating our lives, our prayer into lives, right? Not, not, not changing our life or, or, or making everything just like come into and everything be spiritual all the time, but enjoying this kind of a spiritual life with God that's a part of our normal lives where we can just be asking that simple question, God, where are you? Where are you in the middle of this stuff? Where are you with my kids at the playground? Where are you when I'm sitting at my desk and things seem bleak? Where are you when I'm home and I'm fighting with my spouse? 
No, I don't do that. Do you guys do that? No, no one does that here. Where are you, God? Like, where are you when things are difficult? Where are you when my finances are a mess? Like, where are you in all this stuff? Um, we need to ask that question. I want to just leave you with John 5, 19. This is Jesus speaking, right? And Jesus was pretty spiritual. I'm not sure if you know. Like, he's like pretty much did the best at being spiritual. And he said this about his own spiritual life. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son likewise does all these things. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he, uh, he's doing, and he will show him greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. The way Jesus understood his relationship with God was that he was like a person who was just looking around, right? Asking himself the question, where is God? Like, where is the Father? What's he doing? And Jesus was God, and we don't have time to get into Trinitarian theology today, but we're understanding this thing where we're just saying, okay, God is at work all around me. Jesus understood that. God is at work all around me, and, and it's my job. It's, my, it's my, part of my prayer life, part of my connecting with God, where I'm just asking this question, God, what are you doing? Where are you in the middle of all this? Where, what, what, what are you doing? We have to understand that God is at work. He's a God who's working. He's a God who's doing things. He's a God who is not uh, leaving us to guess or to make our way, work our way to him. He's a God who's come down, opened the way, so that we simply by recognizing, acknowledging through faith what he's done can enjoy his presence at any moment, at any given time. We can be asking ourselves this question, Lord, what are you doing with the confidence that he's doing something? He's doing something. God's always doing something. He's a missional God. He's always at work. He's always pouring out his grace. He's always building us up and encouraging us. He's always willing and wanting to be known. And so we can, in our prayer lives, just ask him, Lord, even in the middle of my regular day life, my, my regular stuff, the way that I'm, I'm doing, my, my time at the, the park, my time at my desk, my time in my office, my time at home, I can always confidently ask this question, God, what are you doing? And I can actually expect an answer from God. It might not be like, a, what should I do in this moment? You know, it might not get that, 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 uh, that clear, but we can always ask this question, God, what are you doing? And we can start to listen to and hear God, God uh, encouraging us to, to sort that stuff out and telling us what he's doing. That's what I would love us to be bold in, to have that assurance of faith that it's God who's working. We need to be people who grow into this. And this is how, I think this is the path that we do it. We start to adjust. We make room for God if we didn't have room in the right times, not the wrong times. And we accommodate. You can be present with God and experience his leading, his encouragement in the middle of your everyday life. Um, so... It's a big topic. Prayer is a big topic. There are some books back there. If you're just like, I want more. I want to get more practical. Like those are like several hundred pages. So you can uh, spend that time doing that. I would encourage you. Uh, those books back there are pretty good. And um, yeah, let's pray. Cool. And we'll do some worship. That's amazing. That's perfect. Okay. So Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for uh, the way that you are. God, I thank you that you're, you're working in uh, in the church and in us individually and in our lives, God, we don't have to just like, uh, when we leave these doors, we're not just like leaving your presence. 
God, we're going out into a place where you're, you're working, you're active, you're wanting to do things, and you're wanting uh, to lead us along and to encourage us in our day-to-day and be present with us, Lord. Or teach us to have the discipline of faith, that simple discipline of faith to know that you've done all the work. Lord, you've taken away all the shame and all the guilt and all the separation, Lord. And we live in a world now that is just full of your presence. Lord, Lord, our day-to-day lives can be full of you, Lord. We want to be full of you and enjoy you for all that you have, Lord. Lord, so give us the imagination, Lord. Lord, the faith, the confidence to, to walk into that kind of a world and to experience you because you're faithful to meet us there. So fill us up, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.